uh, like I said, we're starting a, a new series on spiritual formation and growing uh, as Christians and as followers of Jesus. And I want to begin with an illustration. So um, somebody in our, our congregation a while back went to, went to Italy, Florence, Italy, and uh, they uh, visited uh, a museum where they saw uh, Michelangelo's famous statue, uh, David. And uh, th they said it was amazing. They actually said it was much bigger than uh, they anticipated. Really cool. But what really struck uh, them were some other uh, sculptures by Michelangelo that are called the prisoners. And these are kind of half-formed uh, sculptures where it's kind of the, it's not, they're not, they're not completed. They're kind of halfway finished. And so it sort of looks like uh, the, the, the sculpture is breaking out of the rock. And Michelangelo believed that a sculptor was a tool of God. Uh, uh, th that a sculptor was not creating but simply revealing the powerful figures already in the marble. And so he believed that he was setting these, these things free. He wasn't creating, he was revealing what was already in there. And there are people that believe that uh, Michelangelo left th uh, these particular sculptures unfinished on purpose. That by doing this, he was saying something about the nature of what it means to be human. That he was saying that, that human beings are, uh, they're not, uh, being human is not just about being, but becoming. It's not just about living, but actually growing and being formed into something beautiful. And all of us are kind of halfway. All of us are in process. All of us are on a journey where, where we are being released from our false self and being formed into our true selves, being formed in the, into the people that God has always created us to be. Now, this is a beautiful image, and it agrees with the New Testament because Paul the Apostle, uh, his, his teaching was that being Christian, uh, being human, is all about being formed into the image of Jesus. In fact, Romans 8, 29 says that God, he who, whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be formed into the image of Jesus. This is our goal. Becoming a Christian is not just about going to heaven when you die, you know, getting into the pearly gates. It's all about being formed into the person God has always created you to be. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul the Apostle says that God is like an artist and that we are God's works of art. We are his workmanship. And so God is there chipping away like Michelangelo. He's chipping away at you and he is forming you every day into the person that, that, he, that he wants you to be, that he's always intended you to be, that he's predestined you to be. Uh, theologians call this spiritual formation, the, the, the process of being formed into the image of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. And, but, but some people here, they're, they're like, you know, I, I, I understand that. You know, I get this idea, this beautiful idea that I am God's workmanship. I am God's work of art. You know, God's Michelangelo, and I'm being formed into this beautiful image of God, you know, every day, day by day. But then there's the reality on the ground, right? There's the me that's the work of art, and then there's the me that's yelling at my kids last night because they wouldn't get into the shower, Right, there's the me that's the beautiful poema, you know, the beautiful sculpture. And then there's the me that keeps on doing the same stupid thing over and over again. Right, there's the me that's just, you know, being formed, and this is my destiny. And then there's the me that struggles with kind of patterns and habits and addictions and, and things, you know, that I don't want to do. And there's kind of this frustration, isn't there? As somebody in, in our small group, uh, one practice we have in our small group is we begin with a, a high and low of the week. You know, the, there's a high and then there's a low 
of the week. And somebody in our group said, we was talking about his low, and he said, you know, last week I was, I had this dream, you know, this vision, you know, and I'm gonna read the Bible to my little girl before she goes to bed at night. I was being the perfect dad, you know, and there I was reading the Bible to her, you know, the children's Bible, and she just wouldn't hold still. She just wouldn't listen, and she started talking while I was talking. I was getting so frustrated. And then I found myself giving her a spanking with the Bible. He said, this was a low moment, and there's just kind of this, ah, I'm trying to do what's right, and this frustration, and this person I want to be, but then there's the reality on the ground, isn't there? Here's the question that we're going to be answering, is how does spiritual formation happen? How does, you know, here's the goal, formation into the image of Jesus, released and freed to be your true self, but the question is, how does this happen on a daily basis? Now, normally what we think is that it happens through big events, you know, these big things, like, like maybe it, it happens when I, when I get a big idea, big idea from a book. And, that, and this is what I think, you know, I'm a book guy, I love ideas, I love to read, and I often think that spiritual formation, the key to it is, is just learning that new insight, getting that new book, hearing that new sermon. But we all know the experience of having the right information but somehow that doesn't translate into our, into our marriages, into our parenting, into our lives. And you cannot think your way into transformation, not, not by that alone. Other people think it's an experience. You know, I go to church and, you know, I, during worship, I'm weeping and I'm, and I'm feeling guilty and I'm, and I'm recommitting things and it's this emotional experience and, and, and that's, where, that's what's really gonna lead to transformation. But we all have the experience where, you know, we have that, you know, that uh, feel the emotion and we want to change, and then we go back to doing the same thing again on Monday morning. Other people think it's a big commitment. You know, I go to a retreat or I go to a conference, you know, or I go to a, you know, a, a campfire meeting and I throw my rock in the fire. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you grew up in Christianity where you make that commitment again, I'm gonna, everything's gonna be different from here on out. Everything's changed and I'm gonna go back home and it's all gonna be different, but yet you fall into the same things that you've been doing over and over again. You know, and a lot of us think that this is, this is how it works. This is how you grow as a Christian. It's something big. It's something monumental. But what we're going to say in the series is that maybe spiritual growth happens, maybe spiritual formation happens, not by the big things, but by the little things. Maybe it's not the, the next big idea or the next big experience or the next big commitment, but maybe spiritual formation, the most powerful aspect of spiritual formation, comes down to your ordinary, boring, repetitive habits. Maybe the, the key to growth as a Christian comes down to the rhythms that are in your life from day to day and week to week. What if counterintuitively it's, it's the small habits that actually lead to big, huge changes? And that's the point we're going to be making over the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about rhythms and habits that you can put in your life that puts you in the way of, of transformation, that leads you in the way of transformation. We're going to say the ordinary habits shape the soul in extraordinary ways. Ordinary habits shape the soul in extraordinary ways. In order to change, you kind of have to look down to the smaller things in your life and pay attention and change your rhythms. And so we'll be looking at that. Today what I want to do, though, is I want to kind of introduce us into the concept of rhythms and habits and why they're so significant. And, and today what I want to do is I want to look at three things 
uh, if you want to roadmap the three points today. First of all, we're going to look at the power of habits or rhythms. And I'm going to try to summarize a book that I read recently by Justin Early. Uh, second of all, we're going to turn to the scripture and see the formation of habits. We're going to look at Paul and put him in conversation with the book. And then finally, we're going to see uh, the fruit of habits. So the, the power, the formation, and the fruit of habits. Three things today. And so first, let's look at the, the power of habits. And uh, Justin Early, uh, he's, we're going to send out his book via email this week, but he wrote a book on habits and, and how important they are and how powerful these things are in our lives. And he begins the, the book with, the, with a citing a, a, a speech that was given uh, May 21 in 2005 by a guy named David Foster Wallace. He gave it at Kenyon College. It was a baccalaureate address, so he's talking to graduates, and he's kind of trying to help them understand life and where, how you can really live life well. And, and so he's going on, and he begins this address with an illustration. It's a great illustration. He says, Here, here's, he says Here, here's how the story goes. There's two fish, and they're, and they're swimming through the water, an older fish and a younger fish. And, a, and, a, and a, a fish kind of, another fish swims by and says, hey, boys, how's the water? And the, the two fish swim on, and the younger one looks at the older fish and says, uh, Bob, that was the name of the fish, by the way, Bob, what's water? And it's a powerful illustration because what he was saying was that the most obvious and important realities are often the hardest to recognize. And the point is, is that our habits are sort of like that water. The habits of your life are the water that you're swimming in. In other words, we're all uh, living according to spe a specific regimen of habits, and those habits shape most of our lives, and these things are kind of hardly noticeable. We're doing these things without even realizing it. They're, they're so part of our lives, part of the fabric of our lives, that they're like the water, that you can't even recognize it because you're in it. These are habits. A definition of habit is that a habit is a behavior that occurs automatically over and over again, often unconsciously. So it's, it's, a, it's a rhythm, it's a thing that you do in your life without even thinking about it. It's just kind of woven into the fabric of things. And a study from uh, Duke University suggested that as much as 40% of our lives, 40% of the actions we take every day are not the products of choices but of habits. So that, so that as, as William James says, all of our life, as far as it has definite form, is but a mass of habits. And so what he's saying is that no matter, even if you're a, a type 7 on the Enneagram, and you're all about spontaneity, and all about, you know, not, no plans, and just doing what you feel, even that person has 40% of their life is habit. Even if you're a, a P on the uh, Myers-Briggs, you know, and it's all about just keeping your options open and just flying by the seat of your pants. Everybody, whether you know it or not, you're living your life according to a mass of habits. Uh, habits are repetitive, act, repetitive activities that are woven into your muscle memory. So that the, 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 the direction of our lives, the things that we do on a daily basis, really who you are becoming is the result of the habits that you have. Now here's the thing about habits, is that habits, a habit is formed, when the habit is formed, the brain stops fully participating in decision making, which is a good thing. You know, when a habit is formed, you, you have to make way less decisions in your life 
uh, which, which can act actually be very helpful. You know, imagine waking up every day and it's like, what am I going to do today? I don't know. And you've got all these decisions to make. Actually, habits, kind of, you've pre-decided this is the way my day, my week, my year is going to go. This can be incredibly helpful. You know, think about, you know, when you're driving home. Many of us, uh, we drive home from work, uh, and maybe you thought about that when you first got the job. Maybe you had a map, and you know, I've got to turn left here. I turn right at this other place, and I, and I get to my des- destination this way. But after a while, your uh, drive to work is, is woven into your muscle memory so that you get there without even thinking about it. And what that means is that while you're driving in the car, you can, you know, solve that prickly problem that you've got at work. You can listen to a podcast. You can think about the date you had last night. You know, you can do all these other things. And it's kind of scary as you're driving that everybody's doing that. You don't even think about it. Because this sort of thing is woven, it's a, it's a habit, it is a rhythm, it's part of your life, and it eliminates so many decisions, which can be incredibly helpful, but it also can be, it, it could also be dangerous, can it? Because what if there's a bad decision, or, or, or a bad direction? What if you've got a bad habit that's sort of woven into your muscle memory? Well, where is that taking you? You are what you habitually do. Right? You, you, are, you, you are becoming a person through the rhythms in your life. Your habits are taking you somewhere. And what if those, the place that it's taking you is not a good thing? You know, think about it. You're driving your car home, and you get home, and sometimes you're like, how did I get here? I don't even know. How did I get home? I just got here. And sometimes that's the way it is in life. You find yourself at a destination in life, and you're like, how did I get here? You've got a relationship with your spouse. You've got a marriage that's broken and it's not working. How did I get here? I didn't choose to have a bad marriage. Or you think about relationships with kids and the strange relationships and things that are not working. And you wake up one morning, how did I get here? How did I get in this place with my kids and my family? Or maybe you've got this, this you know, you're overworking and you're stressed out and you've got things going on and you're like, how did I get here? Here's what Justin Early would say. He would say, the way you got there was through your habits. If you had the choice again, you wouldn't consciously choose to have a marriage like that, but it's the things that you've done over and over again, the rhythms of your life that are taking you in a certain direction, and some, sometimes you just wake up and here I am. Uh, Justin Early, in, in his book, uh, he tells the story of his own life. And kind of here's his situation So he was a missionary in China And uh, he had a calling change Where he decided he was going to be a lawyer And and go back and work for justice In the U.S. And so he moves back from China to Washington And he uh, enrolls at Georgetown University And he uh, graduates at the top of his class And then he lands this job as a as a mergers uh, and acquisitions lawyer at, At this very prestigious firm And life is going well But he's extremely busy and he's going and going and going, and he's, he's one of those type A's who just needs to be better than everybody else at everything. And, and so he's working and working and working, and finally he kind of ends up in this place where he's kind of having a mental breakdown. He can't sleep at night, and he's having panic attacks, and he's all ripped up inside, and he's like, how did I get here? And in his book, he says, you know what, honestly, he says, my beliefs haven't cha- hadn't changed. He says, I was a missionary. I believed in Christianity. He says, what made all the difference were the rhythms that I developed unconsciously without, without even realizing it. And here's what he said. He says, while the house of my life was decorated with Christian content, the architecture of my habits was just, just like everyone else's. 
And that life had been working for me until it collapsed. He said it was my habits. It was the architecture of my habits. He goes on and he says, all the years of a, of a schedule built going nonstop, uh, going and going nonstop to try and earn my place in the world had finally ru rubbed off on my heart. My head said one thing, that God loved me no matter what I do, but my habits said another, that I'd better keep striving in order to stay loved. I started to believe my habits, he said. My habits were forming my heart because that's what habits always do, mind, body, and soul. And so what Justin Early says, he says, if you're gonna, he says, really, if you're gonna be formed in the way of Jesus, if you really wanna see God change your life, he says, you've gotta recognize the wrong habits that you've developed, these rhythms that are leading in ways that are destructive, and you need to resist to form new ones. He closes his little book by saying, but, uh, by ignoring the ways habits shape us, we've assimilated into a hidden way of life, the American way of life. This rigorous program of habits forms in all the anxiety, depression, consumerism, injustice, and vanity that are so typical in the contemporary American culture. He's saying, if you want to change things, and, and the way he changed things in his own life was by looking at his habits, kind of zeroing in on the most basic rhythms of his life and saying, are they agreeing with my values and my beliefs? Okay, let's move on to the formation of habit, which is point two. And, and here we're going to go to the scripture and see if this resonates with, with, with anything we read in the Apostle Paul's writings. Because it's great that Justin Early says that about the power of habit, but does, does it agree with scripture? What does the scripture say about habits and rhythms? Well, I think the scripture does speak, and it speaks in this passage in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's a famous passage, but I want you to see it's all about habits, rhythms. Let's get the context. So Paul, this is Paul's uh, letter to the Romans, and uh, he's, he's uh, writing to a group of people in the city of Rome, and this is a transition point in his letter. Uh, Paul, uh, from chapters 1 through 11, has been talking about doctrine. He's been giving us arguments. He's been telling us what to believe about Jesus, about the gospel, about ourselves, about sin. But Romans chapter 12, there's a transition and he moves from telling us what to believe to telling us how to behave. He moves from doctrine to duty. He moves from arguments to application, which Paul always, do, Paul always does this. If you read his letters, it always begins with telling you all the doctrine and beliefs, but he always ends with application, which is what every good sermon should do. <laughs> Sometimes I don't do that. I remember one time there was a guy listening to one of my sermons, and, and uh, he was... He left, and he told one of the staff members, like, that was great, interesting stuff that Brent gave us, but what's the takeaway? What does he want me to do with the information that he gave me? But Paul always gives us a takeaway. He always tells us that, really, the doctrine doesn't help if you don't work it into your life. And so Romans 12 is where he transitions into a very practical section in this letter. And I, in this little part here, what he's going to show us is that the key to transformation, the key to application is with habits. He sounds very much like Justin Early. So he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. So he says, you want to know how to respond to the gospel? 
I'll tell you what to do. He says, you need to give your life, body, soul, and spirit to your Savior. You need to present your body, not just your mind, not just your heart, but your whole person, body, soul, and spirit. You offer yourself to God to love Him and to love others. But then Paul gets real practical and he tells us how to do this because you might say, okay, sounds good, but how do I do that? I mean, it's hard to do that. How do I change my life? And here's what he goes on to say. He says, now, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, notice what Paul says here. You want to know how to do that? He says, you need to recognize something and you need to resist something. You need to recognize and resist. First of all, he, he says, you need to recognize he says, you need to stop being conformed to the patterns of this world. He says, you're being conformed right now. You're being formed. There are two spiritual formations, and everybody's doing spiritual formation. It's not whether you're doing spiritual formation or not doing it. Everybody's formed in a particular direction. Paul says, you're either being conformed or you're being transformed. And he says, you need to understand that there are forces in this world working on your patterns that are forming you spiritually into the values of this world. Notice he uses the word patterns here, and some of your translations may not have that. It's there in the Greek. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern, and that word is schema. Can we all say schema? Uh, it refers to a, a pattern of life. A pattern is something you do over and over again. It's repeated activity. And Paul is saying, make sure that your habits and your rhythms are not being formed in the values of this world. As you, as you live, uh, as you live in, in the world and as you're walking through life, as you go to work, as you're at home on the internet, as you're doing all the things that you're doing, he's saying that the, the problem is sometimes unknowingly, without even realizing it, you're being formed in the values of this world. And your rhythms and your patterns begin to be molded into a whole system that doesn't agree with your beliefs. And so you may believe in one thing, but when you look at your internet history, it tells a different story. Right? You may believe one thing, but when you, when you look at what you do the first thing in the morning and, and what you do after that, the actual schedule in your day doesn't agree with what you believe. Or if you look at the way you binge... Netflix, <laughs> or spend money online, or, or do any number of things. He says you need to recognize all the ways in which your habits and rhythms are being unconsciously, without you even realizing it, you're being formed into the values of this world. Transformation begins when you understand that. When you, when you just stop and you begin to pay attention to those things that you often are oblivious to, the little rhythms in your life, and you ask the question, what direction are those rhythms taking me in? Are they taking me into being formed by the values of the world, or are they taking me in another direction? And Paul says, now, now stop being conformed to this world, but what do you need to do instead? He says, instead of doing that, I want you to resist. Instead of being conformed, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, what does that mean? Now, I've always thought that this meant going to Bible study. The renewal of your mind is how I'm transformed. It's by reading more books, going to more Bible studies, getting more ideas, learning more and more and more, but that can't be what Paul is talking about, at least not that alone. Paul has already spent 11 chapters informing them. They've already gotten all the ideas. 
And now what Paul is saying is that I want you to renew your mind. I want you to get those ideas into your muscle memory. I want you to align your habits and your rhythms and your practices with all these things that you say you believe. In other words, the way transformation happens is not just by education, but by formation. And the two are not the same. Education has to do with ideas, and that's important. You need to get ideas and doctrines and truths. Formation is about practices and habits. It's about developing rhythms in your life that align with the things you say you value. And so Paul says, if you're ever going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, he says, you've got to develop counter-rhythms. You need to be transformed instead of conformed. You need to develop rhythms of resistance that take you in a different direction. Things that agree with, the, with, with what you believe. In other words, somebody said, we need, to, we need counter-formational habits that will invade our moments of waking, our rhythms of work, and our patterns of community. We need tiny habits that point us to the gospel of Jesus in moments big and small. So how are you doing? Well, some of you, you've already got all the information. Some of you know more of the Bible than I do. <laughs> some of you have all of this truth, and, and what Paul is saying is that I want you to, to get that truth, and I want you to schedule it into your calendar <laughs> so that your patterns of life or your rhythms of life or your habits of life are, are forming you towards the gospel. Now, somebody says, well, what, what happens if I do this? Okay, Paul is telling me that, that transformation begins with rhythms, counter-rhythms, developing habits that are actually taking me in a different direction. What happens in my life when I do this? Well, notice Paul goes on, and, and he says uh, in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And this is what's going to happen. He says that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's some, here's some things that will happen in your life if you do this. But Paul says, first of all, when you do this, it will, it will bring the will of God from up here down into your life. It'll turn ideas into reality. And this is so important. You know, so many of us, we have ideas and we have dreams, you know. I have dreams, you know, to be a loving father and, a, and to be a person who who's connected to Jesus and be someone who's connected to my neighbors and, and loves them. And these are all great ideas, but the way you, you get, turn idea into reality is by putting those ideas into your calendar. Schedule them. Put these rhythms in your life. I love what Stephen Covey said. He said that inner peace occurs when our schedule aligns with our values. Does your schedule align with your values? You know, we pray that, that in, the, in the Lord's Prayer that the, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen in your life? You want God's will to be done in your life as it is in heaven. Well, so often the way it begins is by you scheduling rhythms into your life that actually bring God's will down. So it turns ideas into reality. Uh, these habits that, that Paul is asking us to develop can also make space for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Many of you are like, Brent, I don't like this talk about habits because it sounds like 
behavior modification, it sounds like kind of just a little surface level thing that I can do. And it is kind of surface level, and these are small things. But I want you to know that, it, that these are kind of the space that, that you're creating for the Holy Spirit to work. Nobody changes apart from the Holy Spirit, amen? amen. All right. We can, we can talk to each other. You know, you are the, you've got to be born again by the Spirit of God. You've got to have an encounter with God's grace and with Jesus Christ so that his life comes into your life. There is no changing apart from that. You've got to have the powerful, personal presence of the Holy Spirit living in you. And yet what these habits do is they create space for the Holy Spirit to work. And some of you are like, oh, Holy Spirit, work in my life, but I'm also going to binge Netflix every night. And the Holy Spirit's like, work with me here. Where you got to create, if you want me to work, you've got to create space for me to do something in you. I know you believe all the right things, but you've got to create space in your calendar for the Holy Spirit to do the wonderful, beautiful, freeing things that he wants to do in your life. And so they create space for the Holy Spirit to work. Habits also can, can lead us into a life of incredible freedom. They lead us into freedom. And you think about uh, Michelangelo and his, and his uh, uh, sculptures, you know, and they're breaking free from the false self. What your habits do is, is there are limitations that you put in your life that actually lead you into the way of freedom. Again, there are some of you seven Enneagrams that are like, no, I hate limitations. I don't like, don't, you're, don't fence me in. Don't box me in. You know, your pee on the Myers-Briggs. I don't like these limitations. They, they constrict me. They, they, they make me feel like I'm a slave. But actually, the right limitations will actually lead you to freedom. There are wrong limitations. There, there are things that lead you into bondage. But actually, there are limitations that you can put on your life that lead you in the way of greater freedom and greater shalom and greater flourishing. You know, these rhythms, they can shape our hearts. They can shape our loves. They can actually increase our desire. Just like running. Uh, man, I hate running, but the more I run, the more I love to run. <laughs> and there's something about that with these habits as you put them in their life, your life, and maybe they're hard at the beginning, but you begin to, it increases your love and it enlarges your heart and it puts you in the direction of spiritual transformation and freedom. Spiritual habits can make you weird. You know, they, what, what we're talking about here is not just changing your beliefs, but changing your calendar so that it's different from the calendars of everybody else in the world. I was watching a, a show on HGTV, and it was called The Boise Boys. Anybody seen The Boise Boys? Um, they're kind of the new uh, uh, fixer-upper. And uh, one of the guys is a Christian, and his name is Luke Caldwell, lives in uh, Boise, Idaho. And uh, he's, they were interviewing him on this uh, news station, and they were like, well, tell us about your life. And he said, well, I'm a Christian. And they didn't, they were like, oh, that's great, you know. And, and they didn't really bat an eye at the fact that he was a Christian, you know, in terms of his beliefs. And they said, well, tell us something else about you. And he says, well, one thing I do that might be kind of weird is I, I don't use my cell phone at home. And the news, the person that was interviewing him almost fell out of her seat. Like, you, you what? Tell me about that. I want to know about that. That's strange, you know. That's weird. That's different. This is a rhythm that he put in his life that's different. He set it in there to create the Holy Spirit to work in him. That's kind of countercultural. It's a, it's, a, it's a rhythm of resistance that's shaping him in a new reality. 
And the, person, the newscaster just thought it was weird. Do you have rhythms in your life that are shaping you in a different direction, that are bringing you against the flow and the tide of the patterns of this world? So habits do this. Habits also create order and direction. Notice he says, I want you to create this, these, you know, put these things in your muscle memory so that you may know the will of God for your life. Some of you are just so, you know, man, my life is all over the place. I don't even know what's right and what's wrong, and I'm just kind of like, whatever. And, and sometimes putting rhythms in your life on purpose can set your life in a direction. You know, last week, uh, or last two weeks, actually last three weeks, uh, we've been off, we're homeschooled, and we've been off for uh, Christmas vacation. And our home was chaotic during those times. Like, there's no schedule, and we're just kind of doing whatever, and the kids are going crazy, and and mom and dad are going crazy, and I'm pulling my hair out, and you know what? Last Monday, we finally got back into our rhythms. And our communal life at home is taking shape. And it's making sense. And the architecture of our lives is kind of getting stronger. And I'm experiencing a lot more peace. No more Christmas vacation. Not next year. <laughs> Not this long. Now somebody says, I don't, I don't like this idea of rhythms and habits. You know, I'm a free soul and I don't like this. Well, listen, you've already got them. Listen, everybody's doing spiritual formation. It's not whether you're being formed. It's, it's rather, are you being formed into the values of this world or are you being transformed? Conformed or transformed. Everybody's doing spiritual formation. All, every, everybody's living their life with these habits. The question is, what direction are your habits leading you in? Where are they taking you? <clears throat> We're going to be looking at the next few weeks at some, some habits that we could put in our lives that will... Uh, that will lead us in the way of transformation. And there's, we're going to have habits related to Sabbath and habits related to silence and solitude and, and habits related to community. And I'm hoping that we could do these things together. But let me begin with some homework. I'm almost done, by the way. Homework. Uh, first, what I want you to do as you go home this week is, is do an, an audit of your habits. These things are unconscious. You are doing them without even realizing that you're doing them. Just stop and pay attention to your life and ask yourself the question, what are the rhythms? What are the habits that I'm already doing? I also want you to sit down with uh, somebody you love. Sit down with a spouse. Sit down with a friend. Sit down with the community gr group. And just kind of discuss, maybe brainstorm, what are some habits that you want to put in your life that might lead you in a different direction? We all want life change. We all love ideas, but just kind of focus on the rhythms and say, what are some some things that, that I could put in my life that might lead me in the right direction. So to have that, you can do it with a community group or you can do it with your spouse, as long as you don't fight about it. Um, and finally, I want you, before we're done here, I want you to remember the mercy of God. Notice Paul begins this whole thing about spiritual formation and habits and counter habits. He begins by, I have four brothers, on the mercy of God. I love that he begins that way. Because what he's saying is that habits, these are just, these are response to the gospel. These are not the gospel. You don't get God to love you by putting a habit in your life. God already loves you. While you are yet a sinner, says earlier in this letter, while you are yet a sinner, Christ died for you. 
He saw everything about you. He saw all of your chaos and all of your bad habits, and he loved you anyway, and he redeemed you based upon his work and not yours. You are not saved by habit. Habits are simply a response to the gospel. And what this means is that you can fail, and you can mess up, and there are endless chances for you to get back up and try it again. Let's do this with grace. And uh, so that's, we're going to pray together. Are we all ready to do this? Can we do this over the next few weeks? All right, let's do it. Let, let, all right, thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for um, this teaching in Romans 8, or 12, rather, and, and we, we thank you that, God, you have redeemed us. You've given us your mercy. God, we are saved by utter grace not by any effort or anything that we do, including rhythms and habits that we may or may not put in our lives. But Father, we want transformation. We want to grow. We want freedom. We want joy. We want shalom. We want your will to be done in our lives and in our homes and in our marriages on earth as it is in heaven. And so we pray, God, that as we, as we think about rhythms and habits and things that we can put in our lives to put us in the way of transformation that you would enable us, empower us, strengthen us, help us to honor you as we go about this. And we pray this in Jesus' name.